Hi, welcome to the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast, a weekly broadcast of our Sunday sermon. Covenant Presbyterian Church is an open, affirming congregation, and we're so glad you found us. Our primary mission is to equip God's people to serve Christ in the world. In our weekly messages, we hope that you'll find inspiration, encouragement, and even challenge for your faith journey. Please listen with us now. So the day that I saw Sister Mary in the Dag Hammerskold shirt was the day that she taught me to do eye yoga. It was one of the last days of my most recent trip to Women at the Wellsprings, where we visit the Sacred Heart Monastery in Coleman, Alabama. It's a group of 12 women in mid-career ministry And we had completed the hard part of the retreat, the silent part of the retreat, somewhat successfully. I, for one, consider two of the four days a complete success. And we were now orienting toward what came next, which was leaving the sacred grounds of magnolia trees and locust trees of mighty oaks. We were leaving the realm of hourly prayer and saltless food. We were preparing ourselves by basically just hanging out together. You may or may not know this, but a bunch of women pastors, most of of them with their eye toward retirement, sure can have some fun. So instead of writing the sermon or planning the church calendar, we went down to the creek and we collected whatever was washed up. Instead of planning the next big event, we watched as Sister Bridget taught us how to determine the sex of the ginkgo tree so as to avoid the smelly fruits. Ask me later and I'll show you how to. And instead of sending our email responses that surely we had accumulated after a week away, we went with Sister Mary who taught us how to do eye yoga. It's strange, I will tell you that. She developed a routine during COVID times. She was offering yoga to both the nuns who were in the infirmary and to the sisters who were able to get down on the mat. So the ones that decided to continue long past quarantine in their yoga practice were the ones who did eye yoga. Now, a lot of the women in the infirmary were dealing with macular degeneration. Maybe some of you all are dealing with that too. So this focus on eye support, eye yoga, was very welcome to them. I admit, I found it really hard. Paying so much attention to what I typically took for granted, rolling my eyes around behind closed lids. It's okay if you wanna give it a shot. But Sister Mary had on her Dag Hammerskold shirt that very day that I learned how to stretch my tired eyes. It was probably a red shirt once, and it had blue and white cursive print, but it's pink now, worn and faded. And the shirt says this. For everything that has been, thanks. For everything that will be, yes, with an exclamation point to close out the end. For everything that has been, thanks. 
for everything, everything, everything that will be, yes. Admittedly, I found this phrase disconcerting too. There are many reasons that we do not like to think of the future as an unabashed yes, as a hooray without any preparation or qualifications. Now, if you've been watching anything on HBO recently, you might think of the future, or even if you've been watching the news, you might think of the future more reservedly, like the possibility that there's a deadly fungi that could take us all out, or weather extremes that we have to watch out for. Or maybe the future holds some uncertainty for you because of pain from your past, trauma that comes up in your present, and so you have trouble holding on to the hope that lies in the future. I think most often we don't say yes, exclamation point, because the future is unknown. We don't know exactly what will happen in the future, and that means it's outside of our control. So the one thing that's sure about the future is that it will be different than where we are now or where we were then, and so there is much to worry over, much to fear. But still, God's call to us as the Christian community is to say yes. Bonnie Thurston is a Pauline scholar, and she was our speaker for this last trip to women at the Wellsprings. She's from West Virginia, and she, in general, has some really cool things to say. She taught us about Sabbath over the silent retreat, but she also taught us something about the past and why it is that churches get stuck there. She warned of the story of Lot's wife. You all remember that one, right? Quite dramatic. The story of Lot's wife who turned around to watch as Sodom was destroyed. And what happens when she turned around? Salt, that's right, she never turns back. She turns into a pillar of salt. So Bonnie Thurston says that looking backwards does that to us too that we turn to stone, that we turn to salt statues, and that we are stopped from moving forward. Now there's a way of remembering that we do in church communities around the table at the baptism font, where we are remembering with energy for the present, our story is part of the story that gives us life as we move on. But if we turn back to the past to get stuck, then we are salt statues. And I believe it is tough for congregations and even Presbyterian congregations to leave behind those blessed decades, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s of church growth, of great growth, of influence in Christian America. Packed seats, cool programs, powerful preachers, meaningful witness and service. There was power and influence from our very pews. So who wouldn't want to turn back and look? 
But in our scripture today, we see glory days unparalleled. The glory days of the modern church cannot hold a candle to the disciples' experience of those 40 days with the risen Lord. Did you hear what Acts told us? During those 40 days, Jesus gave them convincing proof of his lordship. Jesus spoke and spoke and spoke about the reign of God. They had 40 days of miracles, 40 days of Jesus' stories straight from Jesus' mouth. So when Jesus ascended into the clouds, I can imagine how easy it would have been to look at each other and just say, we'll never get it back. How easy it would have been to look into the clouds where Jesus has gone and to despair. Can't you hear it now? Where could they go from here? Nothing they could do would even compare. It would make so much sense to just stop and grieve the loss of their treasured, charismatic, God's own style, God's own son style leader who's gone now. They must have felt that nothing could ever be the same. They must have felt the salt form in their bones the desire to keep looking away from each other, the desire to not move on. But does Jesus speak a word or not? Jesus is prepared for this possibility. Jesus is aware of their tendencies and ours too. And so Jesus, before he leaves, he communicates quite clearly. Do you remember what he said? He said, the Holy Spirit will come. The Holy Spirit that will bring life. The Holy Spirit that does have power. They are to stay in Jerusalem, and soon they will be, and they will do more, Jesus says. More than even he could do. Amazing. Amazing. And after he ascends, he sends the angels to stop the disciples short. Don't stand around gazing into the clouds. Get to it, preaching, teaching, healing, and the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, move on. The whole point of the Acts of the Apostles, which we've been covering in this sermon series, the whole point is the spread of the good news to the Gentile world. The spread of the good news beyond the kingdom of Israel. It's stated clearly here, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I've got you, says Jesus. I hold your future. I know your life and the witness to which I have called you. Be strong. Be present to the Holy Spirit in your midst. Be bold. Be witnesses. For all that has happened, say thanks. And for all that is to come, 
Say yes. Say yes. You all may already have known that quote. Dag Hammarskjöld was the second Secretary General of the United Nations. Maybe some of you remember him from 1953 until his death in 1961. He worked primarily in the Middle East, but he was also really important in decolonization of Africa and, in particular, the Congo. And he died in a mysterious plane crash at the age of 52, quite young. During his time in office, he really invented some of what we would consider the hallmarks of the UN today. The concept of peacekeeping, where troops are deployed to watch a ceasefire and to implement the peace agreements. The UN political presence in conflict areas, so that they try to stop a conflict from re-erupting. He's credited with shuttle diplomacy, and he was also known for this: for consistently and courageously taking ethical positions on momentous issues. He's known to have said, "It is very easy to bow to the wish of a big power, but it is another matter to resist." John F. Kennedy himself said. I realize now that, in comparison to him, I am a small man. He was the greatest statesman of our century. And biographer Andrew Gilmore said he can lay claim to being the preeminent exponent of a truly ethical approach to world affairs. Ban Ki Moon. Also, a UN Secretary General said that this is why he was important. Hammarskjöld's constant self-reflection led to a selflessness, and the resulting dedication to the goals of the UN created the foundations for much of what is still good about the UN today. I knew Sister Mary was wearing the shirt of an important man, a good man. A faithful man. He was a Swedish Lutheran, and he spent a lot of his time. The biography says two hours a day, which I'm sure he was very busy. But he spent time in studying the mystic traditions of various faiths. He was a Christian, and he never left those principles and ideals behind. Posthumously, there was a book of devotionals that was published and poems. It's called Markings, and there's one poem, a benediction, in your insert printed today. In that book, if you pick it up, you'll see influences of Thomas Merton, Martin Buber, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and this benediction. Give it a look. It describes how he faced forward. In the presence of huge opposition, incredible suffering, it shows us how he set himself to move on, and it reads like this: "Before thee, Father, in righteousness and humility, 
with thee, brother, in faith and courage, in the spirit, in stillness thine, for thy will is my destiny, dedicated, for my destiny is to be used and used up according to thy will. I don't know what you were expecting from the move on sermon. Maybe you were expecting my strategic vision and all the ways that I as a pastor want us to change. But that's not the message of scripture. The message of scripture is this, that we, that you and me have a future that God holds for us. The message is that there is power, that there is power, that there is promise, that the Holy Spirit enlivens our lives. It is about Jesus Christ and the promise of a destiny dedicated to his will. John Calvin's quote, we are not our own, we are not our own, we are God's. The sermon is also about yoga. I'm closing with a yoga story as well as opening with one. I think you've heard me talk about this before, some of you, that there is a hot yoga studio right at the bottom of our apartments. So sometimes I run down there and uh, participate in the class. One of the instructors likes to end her classes with spiritual perspectives on life. So you're in Shavasana, you're really sweaty, and she's giving you encouragement and she likes to, most usually, talk about seizing the day. Today, she says, is the first page of the story of your life. It's the day that you pick up the book and you begin to write your story. And maybe it's because I'm lying there exhausted. Maybe it's because I like to consider myself steeped in the Lord. But whenever she says, today is the first day and you get to write the story of your life, I think how glad I am that my story, that our story, has already been written. In the gospel good news of Jesus Christ, in the incarnation of God into the human form, in the hope of the resurrection, the life that is to come. The story of the Christian church to which we are called is gospel, it is good news. It is a story that has already been written. It is a story that has already been told. It does have trials and it does have suffering, but it is a story that has hope. It is a story that hopes for the life that is to come, that believes in the power of the Holy Spirit, that encourages us, yes, even us, to say yes 
God created in love, Jesus came and loved, the Holy Spirit comes and loves us still. It's true for me. It's true for you. It's true for Covenant Presbyterian Church. And so we say, for everything that has been, thanks. For everything that will be, yes. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast. I invite you to visit our website, covpresatl.org. That's C-O-V-P-R-E-S-A-T-L.org. There you'll find current worship information, links to our live Sunday morning streaming service, and our full archive of recorded services. You'll also find out more about us and how to get in touch. I wish you well in these strange times. God is with us. Grace and peace to you.